And I'm glad that you're here today. It's good to see you all and uh, to know that uh, we're worshiping the Lord and the, the things that we have in common is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're here to, to exalt Him and lift Him up. You know, this morning I want to be an encouragement to you. I want you to feel encouraged uh, you know, when you leave this place knowing that, that God loves you and we love you and we're, we're glad to be together. But, you know, there's a lot of things going on in our world and there's a lot of, um, I want to say, lies and other things that are being told out there. And I want you to understand that what I'm going to share with you this morning is the truth. Okay, it's the truth from God's Word. It's the truth about who God is. It's the truth about our new life in Jesus Christ. And, um, you know, lest you think that I'm preaching again on the same passage uh, I am preaching again on the same passage that I preached on last week. Um, but I want you to understand something. It's a different message uh, from the same passage. And so I hope that you will take it uh, with that. Um, I know that there is a lot of truth in this passage, and I just wanted to share that with you. Um, you know, throughout his letters, the Apostle Paul, he compared the Christian life to a new creation. He, uh, you know, in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, uh, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things are past, new things have come. And, and I love that because he, he describes the Christian life as, as a, a new creation, one that is raised from death to life, a new life in Christ. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. You know, the, the doctrines uh, that were being taught there in the church at Colossae, uh, there were some new doctrines. They were invading the church. And so Paul wrote this letter to the Colossian church uh, to refute those uh, heretical teachings and to establish the truth of the gospel. And so all through the book of Colossians, you have the truth of the, uh, of the gospel. And um, I, I want to ask the question, you know, do we have any of this heresy today? Uh, when we look at uh, Christianity, when we look at churches, uh, yes, we do. And it can be very deceptive and it can be very dangerous. And, and I, I just want to give you a word of caution. When we make Jesus Christ and the, the Christian uh, revelation only a part of the total religious system or philosophy, we cease to give Jesus Christ the superiority and the authority that is due his name. When we begin to say he is only part of what we do, then, then we're, we're cheapening Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. You know, when we strive for spiritual perfection or spiritual fullness by means of formulas or disciplines or rituals, we go backward instead of forward. So beware of mixing your faith with stuff like yoga or transcendental meditation, or mysticism, you know, becoming one with God through your thought or meditation, and that kind of thing. Be very careful about mixing your faith with these other things. See, we must also be wary of deeper life teachers who offer a system of, for victory and fullness that bypasses our devotion, our love for Jesus Christ. All of those things are suspect when it stands between you and Jesus Christ or when Jesus Christ is not enough. 
You see, this is the truth of the gospel. In all things, Jesus Christ must have priority and authority. In all things. This is important because if in our lives we're not giving him the priority or we're not giving him the authority, then we're going to be misled. I mean, you remember in Philippians 2, this is in our passage, but in Philippians 2 verse 9 it says, For this reason also God highly exalted him, Jesus Christ, and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That Jesus Christ is master. That Jesus Christ is the boss. To the glory of God the Father. We need to, we need to let that sink in. Let me just uh, pray for us and then I'm going to get into our scripture in Colossians 3. Heavenly Father, I ask that, um, that, that you would just exalt the Lord Jesus in each one of our hearts and minds. I pray, Holy Spirit, that even now that you would just bring us to a point where we focus in on him. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would examine our hearts. That if you would see that if there is anything that is not pleasing to you, Father, that we would confess that and give that to you this morning. Lord, we love you and we thank you. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In Colossians 3, if you have your scripture and want to open up to that, we're going to camp out there for a little bit. We're going to read down through verse 17 uh, before we finish up. But um, I want to talk a little bit about our new life in Jesus Christ. And that is for those who have been born again. For those who have uh, died to self and been born again in Jesus Christ. Asking him to come in and forgive us of our sin. He comes in and dwells within us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, in verses 1 and 2, it says this. It says, therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ. (laughs) If you have been raised up with Christ. Keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. This is the nature of our new life. I mean, Paul was not trying to encourage the Colossians to use Christianity as an escape from the world. He's saying, set your mind on things above. Set your mind on things above. That come from God. Set your mind on things. Not on this earth. See our worldliness loses its meaning. If our inspiration and guidance. Are sought from the realm of spiritual values. I mean think about this. When you gave your life to Jesus Christ. (laughs) Your eyes were opened. You don't understand the truth of the gospel until you give your life to Jesus Christ. Because those things of the gospel are spiritually appraised. And if you've not been born again, if you've not been born spiritually, then you don't have eyes to see and you don't have ears to hear. And that is why lost people act like lost people. They don't have 
those spiritually appraised values going on in their life. See, our new life in Christ, we, look, we have Jesus as our inspiration. I mean, as believers in Jesus Christ, we are citizens of two worlds. We live in this world with all its problems, with all its hopes, with all its aspirations. We live in this world, but we keep our eyes on Jesus because that's our home. That's our heavenly home. That's where we get our strength from. You know, it's like, kind of like a submarine. A submarine is a fascinating vessel because it is made to travel underwater. I love that. But every submarine is equipped with a periscope. And that periscope is to let them know what is going on above. It's very important to those who are in the submarine what's going on above. It should be very important to us what is going on above. And it's easy for us to, to get sucked into this life and, 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 and thinking about all the daily things that we have to think about. And we lose sight of what is truly important. The things above. And so focus your eyes on the things above. And that's what Paul is telling them. It, you know, this submarine, it travels underwater and the well-being of those who are in it absolutely depends on the knowledge of what's above. And as we travel this earth, it is imperative that we know and have the knowledge of what is above. So keep seeking the things above. Notice verse 3, and this talks about the mystery of our new life. Verse 3 says this, it says, For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. My life is not here. My life is hidden with Christ in God. See, being a Christian means that we have a new extra dimension to life. There's a hidden resource, an invisible reality which the world does not have and the world cannot see. I mean, this is not referring to Christ being up in heaven, lost in space somewhere. That's not what it's talking about. But rather, this refers to what Paul has talked about earlier in this letter. He says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory, which is where we get our power from. Which is where we get our joy from. Which is where we get our courage from to live out the life that God has called us to. See, Paul used an interesting change in tenses here. He said, you died, which is in the aorist tense in the Greek. And he says, your life is hidden, which is in the perfect tense. See, you have died, which means it's a past event. It is something that has already taken place. It is over and done with. You have died. But then, your life is hidden in Christ is a continuing reality. He says, for you have died, past event, and your life is hidden with Christ in God, which is a continuing reality from here forward. 
till that day and we're reunited with him. I love that. But hidden does not necessarily mean out of sight. See, Paul was speaking here of the mysterious nature of life. We cannot fully understand, we cannot fully explain how Jesus Christ comes and lives within us. But you know, we can for sure experience it. You know when Jesus Christ is living in you. You may not be able to explain it, but you know, and you you know in your heart, you feel it. You experience that new life. See, as Christians, we are indeed a kind of resident alien. We all are. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. Our real identity and origin is not earthly, but it's heavenly. And as physical organisms, we are born in this world. But having died with Christ, we no longer belong to it. You know, Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. What an amazing verse. We are crucified with Christ. The second spiritual birth means that our true citizenship is in heaven. And something of the quality of that place should cling to us even as we live out our days here on this earth. The things that we know about heaven should cling to us while we walk this earth. But look also at the future of our new life in verse 4. See, when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him. In glory. See, although the new life is a mystery, the day will come when it will be manifested, when it will be made known. And I want you to understand something. Our world is coming to a culmination. There's a big event coming. I want to say it's a wedding day. The wedding day is coming, and we are already engaged. See, this is a glorious thought. I'm excited. Because one of these days, the bridegroom will come for his bride. That's us, the church. And there's going to be a wedding feast. And there's going to be this marriage, and there's there's going to be a culmination that happens. And I'm excited about that because our whole world is moving toward a grand culmination and Christ's victory one day will be complete. All of creation reconciled back to himself. See, one day the judgments of eternity are going to reverse the results of time. I'm going to have a new body. 
I'm going to be raised in strength, raised in power, ready to live for all eternity. Please understand what I am now when I am alone in the presence of God is what I really am. What you are when you are alone in the presence of God is what you really are. And when I am with other people, those should be the same. Otherwise, my life is like I'm play acting. It's a spiritual charade. See, your reputation is what other people think about you. But your character is what God knows to be true about you. So my encouragement to you today is become in experience what you already are. If you've trusted Jesus Christ, if you have accepted him as your Savior and Lord, then act like a child of the King. See, the world needs heavenly people now more than ever before because this is what we are when we live up to our true identity of living with the kingdom of God in mind. See, there's an old phrase that goes like this. It says, don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Rich, Rich Cathers, he says this. He says, I think that there can be a time when a person gets caught up in religiousness so much that this can be true. But I think that if we are going to be heavenly minded in the way that Paul is talking about, we'll be extremely good on earth. I think too often we're simply earthly minded to be any heavenly good. Folks, I think that's the case. We're too earthly minded. Our mind is down here on the things of this earth rather than being on God and what he desires. So lift your eyes, lift up and focus on Jesus. See this message of this passage to us as followers of Jesus Christ, then is this. Be what you are. Be what you are. He says in verse 14, chosen, beloved, holy. Be what you are. But understand the present effects of our new life. Verse 5 says this. It says, therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience, and in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free man, but Christ is all and in all.
You know, you might say, well, that's well and good, Brother Ridge. I have a wonderful future out there somewhere. But what about right now? What about today? Does my new life offer any help for the daily problems that I face today? Not necessarily. Not immediate, anyway. It doesn't happen automatically. But, if you will offer your lives to Jesus Christ, he will give us the power to live within him and in his will. The problem is, is we want to do it our way. See, Paul pointed to a whole list of things to be removed, to be cut off to be left aside, to be pushed aside. And then he added some things that, that, that we need to add if our new life is to be lived in its fullness. I think this is big stuff. Because he challenges us in these verses to put off the old ways. Put off the old ways we inherited in Adam. <laughs> As a descendant of Adam and Eve. Things like immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed. Now, if you will allow me for just a few moments to plow really close to the corn, okay? Plow really close to the corn now. This word immorality is the word that we get our word porn from. Things like pornography. Put it aside. That's what he's saying. Guys, live a life of integrity. Be committed to your wife. Don't cheapen your relationship or your future relationship by lusting after other women. Just stop it. Quit. Young people, you may think it's funny and harmless to watch sexual or disgusting things on your phone or on the internet or on social media. But what you need to understand is it's not harmless. I've been around long enough to know that you're doing damage and you're undermining God's best for you when you do that. I'm not trying to ruin your fun. I'm trying to save you from some heartache. Because listen, you know what is good. You know what is pure. You know what is wholesome. But you also know the things that you shouldn't look at and you shouldn't be a part of. If you have the Holy Spirit of God living within you, then he convicts you of that. He tells you the truth about what you're doing. And if he's not convicting you, you might want to go back and check that experience. Because he will take you to task on those things. As a believer in Jesus Christ, it's the Holy Spirit's job as he abides in us and guides us and convicts us of all truth. And he causes that conviction in our hearts when we are doing things that don't please God. And you know what? We know it. You felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit and so have I. When we were in the presence of something we shouldn't have been a part of, and we knew it. 
And one day, each and every one of us will personally have to answer for the things that we're a part of. I'm not going to have to answer for any of you. I'm going to have to answer for me. And you're going to have to answer for you. That's the way it works. See, Paul goes on and he lists impurity. Any kind of sex outside of God's plan for marriage. Any kind. He mentions hatred and anger and being greedy. You know, it's putting money before God in your life. Wanting more. See, he says, be done with these things. But notice that God, that, that Paul calls us to live out the Christ life in fellowship with other saints. And this is big because he says the sequence is important too. Because we must be right in our inward life if we're going to be right with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay, a lot of times we have problems with others because we're not right with God. <laughs> this is so important. See, one of the reasons we don't get along as we should is because of sin. Sin separates. When I've done something I know I shouldn't do, I don't want to talk to my wife about it. You know why? Because sin separates. I don't want to talk to God about it. You know why? Because sin separates. That's what it does. And so when we're talking about this, if we're not right with God, then it, it stands in the way of our relationships with other people. Young person, the reason that you may not be getting along with your parents is because you're not doing right. You know it and they know it. Husbands and wives, the reason you may not be getting along with your spouse is because you're not doing right. You know it and they know it. We may not be getting along with our brothers and sisters in Christ because we're not doing right. We're being selfish. And sin, our sin, separates us from God and it separates us from others. That's what sin does. But notice this. Love unites. What does he say there in verse 14? Love is the perfect bond of unity. So when we're at peace with God, we will be at peace with others. See, it's this vertical relationship here. When we're at peace with God, then we will be at peace in these horizontal relationships, the other relationships in our life. And Paul says that these old tendencies must be stripped away or they damage the new life that has come. These old tendencies, this, this impurity, the immorality, the anger, the, the evil desire, the greed, all of those things strip away the new life that is trying to emerge. I want to say so, get yourself right with God. Get yourself right with God. The problem most of the time isn't somebody else. The problem starts right here. Amen. But we don't want to be accountable to that. And so we begin to blame other people. Well, the teacher at school doesn't like me. No, the problem isn't the teacher at school. The problem is your attitude. 
You see, the things that we like to point to are not what the problem is because we're in the blame game. Oh, it's her fault. It's his fault. It ain't my fault. No, it is your fault. And the sooner we fess up to that, I want to say, get yourself right with God. Just go have a little talk with Jesus. And then Paul says in verse 12 to put on a heart of compassion, of kindness, of humility, of gentleness, and patience. You know, you think about grafting plants. You have a mature plant and it's been cut off above the ground and then you take a sprout a sign, if you will, a sprout that has a little bud on it and you, you cut into that and you, you plant that in there and you, you wrap it and you protect it in there and, and it begins to grow. And because there's a great amount of energy in that rootstock, what happens is, is that, that, that tree, that plant begins to put forth a lot of what we call suckers. And they shoot up really fast because there's so much energy in that rootstock. But those suckers must be broken off or they will sap the energy from the one that you're trying to grow, the, the new bud, the graft. And that's what happens in our lives. The old life wants to shoot up these, these suckers that need to be broken off. So that the new life can flourish within us. So let's try to apply this to ourselves. And the question we ask ourselves is, what are we seeking? What are we seeking? If, for example, you say that you're too busy to do a regular Bible study with the Lord, then you're too busy. I'm just going to tell you, something's wrong with your priorities. God can make it where you are unbusy. He can take you out and give you time alone so you have time just to focus on him and his word. By the way, Paul is not referring to seeking the way the, the classic Greeks sought. You know, their, their search was for knowledge and it involved a philosophical investigation and the Gnostics would teach Yes, and we are to pursue gnosis or knowledge, but it doesn't necessarily make any difference how one conducts their life. That's what they taught. You can know all of this, but you can live your life because physical matter is evil and, and, and spiritual matter is good, and there's no connection between the two, but we know that is not true. We know that it matters how you live your life each and every day. So I ask you again, what are you seeking? What are you seeking? Here's a test. A little three-part test you can give. I'm almost done. That will succinctly summarize what you are seeking. And the three-part test involves your debit card, your calendar, and your home. I mean, the debit card test, okay? The checking account test. This shows what you do with your money, and it shows what you truly value. If you look at your register, you can tell exactly what you value. I mean, allow the Holy Spirit to examine your debit card account. Because the devil can think up millions of ways for you to waste the money 
that God has entrusted to you. I'm not going to be accountable for that. I'm going to be accountable for what God has entrusted to me. And you're going to be accountable for yours. But think about, think about this for just a whole minute here. This past week, think about where you were a wasteful manager of what God has entrusted to you. Paul says, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. Jesus said it this way. He said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What about the calendar test? What do you do with your time? You know, your schedule, your calendar will very likely demonstrate how busy you are. But you know what? There are certain people or things which you are still willing and able to find time to associate with and to do. See, I'm a firm believer that everybody does exactly what they choose to do. If you don't want to go to lunch with somebody, you tell them, I I can't make it. If you want to go somewhere and do something, you commit to that and you go. It just depends on what your priority is and what you want to do. But other than that, we're busy. Guys, where are you spending your time? Ladies, what are you busy with? Is your screen time up or down this week? You know, this is huge because... (laughs) How much of God's time did we waste on social media this past week? I said I was plowing close to the corn. I mean, we talk about tithing our our time, our talents, our treasure. We all have 168 hours in a week. And if you tithe your time to God, what would that look like? And are you taking that seriously? See, I would submit to you that we can all do better, myself included. We can all do better. Moving on. The home test. Look at the items you are amassing in your home. The things that you have accumulated over the years. Look inside. Look outside your home. What things do you have displayed? What are you hanging on to? And what are you seeking? Jesus said, seek first his kingdom. And his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. See the point is. Is that the things that we devote our time and money to. They've captured our hearts. And our minds. Set your mind on things above. Not on things on the earth. What has captured your heart and your mind. Thinking about and being involved in those things. Can can make habit trails if you will which are developing in our souls, and we keep returning to those thoughts. And let me ask you, do those thoughts take you to godly places? Do those thoughts help you to keep your mind focused on Jesus Christ? See, obviously it's easier and more natural to think about and love earthly things because we can see them. We can see them with our eyes, we can hold them, we can collect them. 
but that is exactly what we are supposed to do with the things of God, is to prioritize our thoughts, prioritize our mind, taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. See, we must discipline ourselves for godliness so that we cultivate a mindset which loves and thinks about God and his word. That verse says, and let the word of God richly dwell in us. That means in abundance. And we will find that the Holy Spirit renews our thinking. When we set our minds on things above, the Holy Spirit will renew our thinking. He will keep us where we need to be, on target. See, what we really need today in our land, in our homes, in our lives, is a spirit of repentance and a spirit of humility. We've gotten so proud, we think we can figure anything out. But the bottom line is, is without God, we are nothing. I need Jesus. You need Jesus. In just a moment, I'm going to pray. Our worship team is going to come back up and and lead us. But what I'd like for you to do is I would like for you to spend this time with God. Don't worry about singing. Just bow your head and spend some time with God. Allow the Holy Spirit to, to speak to your heart. Remain in an attitude of prayer with maybe your head bowed and use this time to talk with God and allow the Holy Spirit to search your heart. Ask Him. Ask the Holy Spirit of God, what is it that I am seeking above you? While we're doing this, if you want to pray, I invite you to come and pray. If you have a decision you want to make, I invite you to make that decision. But even the remainder of this first song that we sing, let's just spend that time with God. We'll get up, we'll stand, we'll sing a song. But this first one, just let it be your prayer. Would you pray with me? Loving Father, I thank you for this time. And Holy Spirit, I know that you are in this place and that you are moving among our hearts. And Father, we just want to surrender it to you. We sang earlier, we sang, I surrender it all to you. Father, I pray that would be true. That Father, we would not worship you just with our lips, but Father, that we would worship you in spirit and in truth. That when we say, I surrender all, it means I surrender all. Father, in this time where we just reflect, in this time where we are praying and asking your Spirit to examine our hearts, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would put the searchlight inside our hearts and that you would show us the things that we are seeking. Father, I pray that we would leave here today differently than when we came in. Holy Spirit, I ask for a great movement. 
in the hearts and minds of your people. Lord Jesus, prepare your bride for the wedding. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.